break it down, down like this. Yo, 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 welcome along everyone to Tempo Fit Workout of the Week. My name is Hayden Sherman. It's good to have your company. You are tuned into episode number 089, number 89. We are ticking through these episodes, getting closer to 100. That's going to be a big celebration. But this week we are moving into a new little series of interval training around 5k race pace. So we've come out of this block of hill training that's made us strong, that's made us resilient, that's made us powerful. Now we want to take that strength and power and put it into the flat surfaces of running 5k pace and see if we can express good speed. And you know for many of you maybe you're you're targeting a park run, maybe you're targeting like a half marathon or something, maybe you're uh, gearing up for a northern hemisphere summer on the track. So this sort of workout will be good for all of that stuff. Even if you're doing the longer stuff, doing some some higher end work will will develop that ability for you to have a bit of a bit of comfort zone between between half marathon pace and and five k pace. Obviously, this if marathon or half marathons your focus, you won't be um, just doing this sort of work. But this will be nice supplementary stuff to keep the wheels ticking over. So this week it is. Six times two minutes at 5k race pace with about one to two minutes recovery jogs. So six times two minutes, it's not an exact distance. I'll talk about that shortly at your 5k race pace on the flat, one to two minutes recovery. Now, why are we doing today's workout? Why are we doing six times two minutes at, at your 5K race pace? Well, 5K race pace is fun. I love running at 5K race pace. It's this nice, like you don't feel like you're sprinting when you start, but you know you're moving fast. And then it gets to this tough part where you're just, you know, you're emptying the tank, but the light is at the end of the tunnel. And then you finish and you recover reasonably quickly within a few days and then you're back into things. So I, I really love running 5K races and I love running at 5K pace and training as well. It feels fast, it feels free, but it's also hard. It's hard on the legs, it's hard on the lungs, it's hard on your mind and you do need to practice it in order to run your best at the 5k and also to take those um, like I talked about before take those those lessons and take the training stimulus that you get from 5k type training and apply them into let's say the half marathon or, or the marathon you do need to spend time at this 5k pace so you do need to practice it and so that's why today we're, we're sort of easing you in so last week we did what was it, six times, no, it was five times two minutes uphill. This time we're doing six times two minutes on the flat at your 5K race pace. So we're adding one more interval, but we're not diving straight into doing 1K reps. This is, we're doing it at, at time-based because what I find is, especially with working with a wide range of runners, is this really benefits the slower runner. So the faster runner, this workout will be quite challenging. Let's say you're a 14 minute 5k runner. You're very quick, very able. 
this is going to be a lot more demanding because you're at a much higher percentage of your, your maximum speed than let's say the 25 minute 5k runner or the 30 minute 5k runner. This workout for that sort of runner will be quite mild, won't be too strenuous. So that that's why I like to introduce this sort of time-based training early for a group because it allows that, that faster runner to go hard early because more likely they're used to this sort of stuff and it allows the the runner in the you know sort of 25 minute plus range a bit more time to ease themselves into it so they're not suddenly smashing their legs suddenly smashing their lungs with with a hard session so that's why we're doing this and we're going to do the same next week just extend the distances a little bit and then we're going to switch over to 1k reps but for now it's time-based now, as a little uh, explanation um, on how we're tackling these time-based workouts is if you are, let's say your 5K time is around 20 minutes, you're running four minute Ks uh, for that. So for you, this is perfect. Just do 500 meters. Now, if 500 meters is you coming through in like 210 or 215, feel free to just extend it and complete the 500 meters or it might be 400 meters and just shorten it a little, whatever it is for you to hit that that distance mark, feel free to just adjust it a little, but we want about two minutes for this workout. Um, Yeah, so why are we doing this workout? We're practicing 5K race pace, we're allowing our legs and lungs and minds to adjust to it, and then we're building up over the weeks uh, towards some some pretty cool 1K rep sessions. Now a note about the workout, so it's six times two minutes at your 5k race pace, about two minutes as I said, and then I want you to jog for one to two minutes between each of the reps. Now that jog is totally up to you. Now if you are a, let's say a 30 minute 5k runner, that jog could actually be one minute because as a percentage of your maximum speed, 5k race pace won't be as high as it would be for, let's say, your 14-minute 5k runner. That's going to be a lot higher, so they might need a little bit extra recovery. But on the other hand, the more experienced runner might be more used to this sort of pace, so maybe they could handle more like one minute. So this is where I'll leave it up to you to decide how much recovery you need. And maybe at the start of the workout, you give yourself more like two minutes, and then towards the end of it, you say, now let's, we're, the engine's going full war, let's just keep things running, let's go 60 seconds recovery. So totally up to you, I'll give you the freedom to, to allow you to do this. Make sure though that you're not emptying the tank so much that you you can't express that good speed and technique in the last couple of reps. Um, and I'd also encourage you throughout this little block and almost almost as a default position for when you do workout of the week workouts is always just do some strides before the session. So you're going to jog for 15 to 20 minutes before you do the workout. So that's your, your warm-up jog. You do some dynamic stretches like leg swings, arm circles, And then you can do some strides. Now, these might be three times 50 meters, just little flying, getting up to speed. I might do these first one at 5K pace, then 3K pace, and then mile pace. Just getting the wheels moving, practicing good technique, reminding the body what you want to do before you dive into the longer, extended, more intense uh, 
actual intervals and actual workout part of it. So I'd encourage you to do a few little strides before you get into it. All right, so one of the biggest questions I'm asked as a running coach is, what shoes should I buy and how should I go about buying them? I'm going to the shoe store this afternoon. What am I looking for? What, what should I get? So I wanted to give you some tips, four tips on how I encourage people to buy running shoes. And obviously it's a really big industry. So it's also hard to see through some of the marketing messages out there as well. So hopefully this will give you some ideas um, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this and, and also what you've found helpful for, uh, for buying your shoes. So first of all, don't buy just one pair of shoes. This is good news for the, the shopaholics. Don't buy just one pair of shoes, buy several. We can't just run on one pair of shoes because our bodies like variety. They like a bit of variety of movement. If we just stick to the one pair of shoes, it gets locked into that one movement pattern and over time that could lead to an injury. Having a bit more variety immediately introduces a bit more variety in stimulus, stress stimulus, and hopefully that should help to reduce your injury rate. So I have on my porch, I have several shoes all lined up. I rotate those throughout the week, which means I'm only using one pair of shoes once or twice a week. So the lifespan of that shoe is actually quite long in terms of months or years, but um, it's the still this, I'm getting the same number of kilometers out of it and hopefully reducing my injury risk. So that might bring down the physiotherapy bills and save me some money that way. It's a bit of an outlay at the start in terms of inv upfront investment for those shoes, but hopefully it should pay off over time. Number two, try lots on. So when you go to the shoe store, don't just grab a couple. Actually, like, set up camp there for a while and say, look, I want to try all the brands you've got. I want a, um, you know, regular, um, normal everyday running shoe. Um, tell them a little bit about how many miles you're running and all that sort of thing. And then, um, just spend some time in those shoes, getting a feel for them, comparing the, the differences between brands, between models, and maybe even go to a couple of shoe stores and, and try lots on. Because I remember when I first started running, I bought a reasonably expensive pair of shoes. It was very structured and, you know, they got me in front of the, the cameras and I was like, this was reducing my pronation and everything. I was feeling really good about it. First run, I got mad blisters and ended up having to give away the shoes. So spending more time in those shoes in the store comparing and contrasting different pairs will will show you what's actually right for your feet and a little tip what I look for when I put on a pair of shoes is just a, you can almost just close your eyes and imagine if there's any point where there's pressure on your foot and it almost feels like someone's got a finger and just pressing against your foot. Now, if there's any of those little pressure points, it's a good sign that that foot's not real, that shoe's not really working perfectly for that, for your foot. And there could be a risk of um, developing blisters or, or worse injuries. So that's number two, try lots on. Number three, pronation doesn't matter as much as what we're sold to believe it does. Um, the research tells us the number one reason we get injured is just increases in training volume or, or, or quality um, in terms of intensity. So it's, it's usually a training issue, not so much shoe, a shoe issue. In fact, there's very little correlation. What our bodies don't like, therefore, is that sudden change in um, 
in stimulus and that sudden change may come from a shoe change. So let's say that you've been in a really structured, um, you know, movement controlling shoe with a high heel um, and then you suddenly say, oh, I want to go minimalist and just wear a very flat, low profile, lightweight shoe. That could lead to injury, that sudden change in stimulus. But the pronation and the movement, that's your body just doing its thing. We're supposed to pronate. The ankle is is supposed to do that. The best way to actually reduce that is actually increasing your cadence and and getting your strides falling right underneath your center of mass like they should, rather than just trying to control that with a shoe. So the other thing I'd say to look out for is avoid that temptation to go for a real big structured padded shoe that feels good when you put it on because it feels um, cushioning or restricting of that excess movement but what it actually does is make you lazy and makes the shoe do a lot of work that your technique should be doing so I far prefer people to work on their technique rather than buy a shoe to to fix those flaws So hopefully that makes sense. So pronation doesn't matter as much as we're sold, but big changes in your your shoe uh, style um, could definitely lead to injury. So just be careful on changing things up too quickly. Number four is find a brand that works for you and stick to it. So for me, it's New Balance. I've worked with New Balance for a long time. I've um, When I first put on their shoes, I found they worked really well for my body. And then it worked out that we could um, actually have an ongoing relationship with, with New Balance in New Zealand here. So That's been really cool for me. The shoes work for me, but that might not be the case for you. Uh, I know for me, I've tried on some Nike shoes and they just don't seem to fit right with my foot. They find them a little bit narrow. So try different brands. And then once you find the brand that works for you, chances are it'll be one brand. Maybe it's a couple of brands, but make sure then you don't stick to the one model within that brand, but you actually have a bit of variety within that brand. So, you know, you've got your, maybe your your higher heel, slightly more structured shoe for your easy and long runs. Then for your workouts, you know, a bit more lower profile, lightweight shoe. Then you might have a trail sort of crossover type shoe. Um, and of course you can keep on going and have five or six shoes on the board, um, at any one time, but I would encourage you to get two or three, probably within the same brand because they'll be designing them for the same types of feet. Um, but make sure you don't stick within that one model. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So there we go, four tips on how to get out there and buy some shoes and hopefully find some shoes that work really well for you. And the workout, one more time, is six times two minutes at your 5K race pace. Remember, it's about two minutes. So if you want to bump it up a little bit or shorten it a little bit to fit a certain distance, feel free to do that. Otherwise, just do it time-based, running at your 5K race pace, one to two minutes jog, recovery between each of them. Be sure to let me know how it goes. I'm at Hayden at TempoFit.org and tag us in at RunTempoFit on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you soon. Happy running. (laughs) 